This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. I think we could probably all agree on this this morning. There's a lot of worrying going on in our country. Uh, one, we have put up with this pandemic now for going on eight months, and uh, every time we turn around, when we hope maybe we've changed uh, the, the, the curve and things are getting better, we read the numbers or hear the numbers, and it seemingly is going the other direction. We, can, can I just tell you, if we're looking for things to worry about, we can always find them. I recently read in the U.S. that 7 million people have uh, anxiety depression disorder. And by definition, anxiety depression disorder is someone who feels anxious and fearful about a multitude of unrelated activities every day. In other words, they have this anxiousness. They're, they're worrying, uh, uh, and it's chronic. It, it doesn't go away. They rise up in the morning to worry, and they go to bed at night, and they're worried about whatever it might be. So we find a word from God on not worrying what Jesus has to say. And he's telling us here, this can be a spiritual problem. He declares clearly and compellingly, we're not to be worriers. Now, let me be quick to confess, I come from a long line of worriers. My mother was a worrier. And my grandmother, not even on the same side of the family, uh, really was as big a worrier as anybody I was ever around. I'm trying not to pass that tradition on. But I believe Jesus is teaching us here, worry will come to all of us if we build our life on anything that can be taken away from us. So he's telling us that we can put our hope in the unseen God because he is the unchangeable God. You know what the Bible says this, the world is passing away in the lust thereof, but he whoever does the will of God will indeed live forever. You know, I'm afraid worry is a sin we're not afraid to commit. Matter of fact, I think in some instances we feel a little guilty if we're not worried about a variety of things. But let's see and hear what Jesus has to say because he tells us plainly that there is often a problem of worry. So what I'd like to do and and, and kind of come up with some principles on Uh, what I believe that Jesus is teaching, what God's Word has to say about why we shouldn't worry and not to be worriers, and if we do worry, the implications of this worry. The first thing I want to say is this. Oftentimes, worry denies uh, the infinite value of our God. He begins here in verse 25 by saying, for this reason I say to you. So obviously, if he's going to uh, initiate this discourse on uh, worry, he, he, he really backs up to say, here's the reason I'm telling you this. And in the context, he says this in the very uh, verse before this, you can't serve God and money. You're going to love one, hate the other. You'll be loyal to one, despise the other. You've got to have a heart turned towards God. That's what he's saying. You can't have it both ways. And so now he's talking about people of faith, how are of great value to him, and his redeeming love has captured all of us. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, I preached out of Psalms 23, and every, every one of you remember the text, even if you don't remember the sermon, and it says this, the Lord is our shepherd. 
He is the shepherd of our souls, and I shall not want. Why shall we not want? Because God is watching over us. He is the God who's in control. Actually, six times in ten verses, we're told specifically, do not worry. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. God takes care of the grass and the flowers of the field. Us, we don't need to fret about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat. God values us more than He values these things. You see, here's the way it is. Of all the things that God created, you can go all the way back to Genesis 1 where we find God speaking a word, creating a world, and and then He begins to create uh, uh, everything from the sun and moon, the, the luminaries, and and then He begins to create all that would possess the earth, the birds of the air and the animals that would dwell and all of these things, it says. And every day that He created, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then we come to day six, and He creates man from the dust of the earth. He shapes man, and He breathes into him the, the breath of life. And He would say that He has created man now in His image, in His likeness. Male and female, He would create them. So what gives us inherent value? Well, we've been made in the image of God. We're of great value to God. He's loved us with an everlasting love. However, if we obsess and worry about the matters of our life, we deny what the Bible teaches us throughout and the promises that God gives us throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, you remember in, in, in Matthew's gospel chapter 11, Jesus gives this specific invitation. He says, come Unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and in me you can find rest for your soul. For my yoke will be easy, my burden will be light. So he gives a continual invitation to come and find your resolve in him. Jesus declared, greater love had no man than this, that he'd lay down his life for his friends. And then he qualifies it by saying this, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And so... Who can argue that God treasures and loves us? If we only know one verse in the Bible, we know this one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, as I was preparing this, I thought of a hymn that we used to sing that I know that you will remember. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From Him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. So first we shouldn't worry because what it does, even though it may not be conscious, it denies the infinite value that God has placed upon you. Some of you remember the jazz vocalist of the 1920s by the name of Ethel Waters. Just a tidbit about Ethel, she was the first African-American to star on her own TV show. But she's noted for saying this. She says, I know I'm somebody because God didn't make any junk. She said, I have an infinite value to God. He's created me. Secondly, not only does worry deny our infinite value to God, Jesus says this, worry is futile as well. What's he say? Well, worry will not add one cubit to your life. That's an antiquated word. It sure, it, we don't know what a cubit is. Well, it's about 18 inches, but, but that's really not what he's saying. It's not going to add eight, 18 inches to your life, but what it will do, and the better translation is, it will not add a moment at all to your life. Just because you worry, you're not going to be better for it. 
it, will, it, it won't be profitable. You know, I, I, I say this, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Truth is, worry will not add a moment to your life. Here's what I do know. While it won't add a moment to your life, it may shorten your life. Dr. Charles May of Mayo Clinic wrote, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the nervous system. He said, I never knew a man who died of being overworked, but I knew plenty who died of worry. Many of our problems are this, though. We'll borrow trouble. If we don't have trouble, we'll borrow some from somebody. And then we obsess on it. But here's what I like to say. Today is the tomorrow that we worried about yesterday. Mark Twain one time said, I now am an old man, and I've known many great problems, most of which never happened to me. So here's what we do. We create a scenario that we're afraid might happen, and then we begin to rehearse this in our mind so we can worry about it. But God's Word says here, even as we just sang, that we can cast our care on Him because He cares for us. This thing's futile. We can give it away. We need to give it away. It will not add a single moment to our life. It denies our infinite value to God. It's, it's futile. Thirdly, worry discredits our witness. You see, we all have a witness if we are living our lives for God. The Bible says that uh, when we trust Christ, old things are passed away. Now all things become new. And the things become new is the witness that we now have, that we, that, we, that we treasure. And he's saying here, don't be like the pagans, the Gentiles, it says in the King James Bible there. He's, not, he's talking about those who are spiritually lost, whether it's a pagan or a Gentile who are not part of the covenant relationship with God. That's what he's saying here. But worry oftentimes is, is over things that are insignificant, and that's what he talks about. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. And, and, and he says we're to be people who to live our life in such a demonstrative way that people see that we're people of faith and they, they recognize us by how we behave and, and how we act. You know, the Bible is clear of this. We're not to act like other people. We're not to act like the pagans. You know, it says this in 1 John 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life, not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. But you and I are uniquely set apart to give a witness for our God. And we represent the Lord Jesus Christ in the context we always find ourselves. And the Bible says, here's the way it is. Our lives are like letters being read by all men. I'm telling you, they're not reading your mail. They're reading your life. And they're making an assessment that God that you say you serve is the God who still makes a difference in people's life. Life can be difficult. Life can be hard. But we're to be uniquely different in the midst of trouble and in the midst of trials. You know, I'm afraid too many Christians are somewhat like Chicken Little. Every time they see a problem, man, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. Running around like their hair's on fire rather than staying strong in faith and, and being the kind of witness that's expected of all of us. Here's what I'm saying. 
It's not that we're to be necessarily always so strong, but we're to lean into the God who is always able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we thought or ask. And Jesus is saying here, here's the deal. I've got this. There's no panic in heaven. The promise that I have for you is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8. For God will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to His glory. Here's what I'm telling you today. All things don't really work out good for everybody. They don't. But the promise that we have and we treasure as believers is God's going to cause this in some way, in some fashion, for His glory and our good. And so that's what we have to possess and lean into. Well, the fourth thing, if we're warriors, it also denies God's provision and His power. It denies that God is able. You know, when you think about the attributes of God, we often think about His love and His holiness. But really, one of the three qualifying attributes of God is that He is omniscient. He, it means He's all-knowing, that He's omnipresent, that our God is everywhere. And also that he's omnipotent. He is an all-powerful God. And we believe that. We believe that God dwells everywhere. He dwells specifically in our hearts through faith in Jesus Christ, but he's omnipresent. He is an indeed that is a God that's all-knowing, and, and he's all-powerful as well. Martin Luther King, in a message that I read recently, said, at the center of the Christian faith, is the conviction that there is a God of power who is able to do exceedingly abundant things. For the God we worship is not a weak and competent God. For the ringing testimony of the Christian faith is this, that God's able, that He is able. And worry somehow denies what God is able to do. We read the text of Philippians chapter 4. God's Word is really clear on this. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, then let your requests be made known unto God. You continue to read that text down in verse 19. It says, but here's what God will do. He'll supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. You remember in Job chapter 3, Job would say this, the thing that I have feared most has come upon me. And he goes on to say, and what causes me to worry now has engulfed me. Can I tell you, if you are the kind of person who nurse and rehearse your problems, pretty soon your problems will eat at your soul. It will defeat you, and your strength and your tenacity will soon be gone. Corey Ten Boom would say, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it will empty today of its strength. I'm afraid oftentimes our problem is this. We, we just get worn down. <laughs> we, get, we get fatigued. And I, I, listen, I've, I, I've said this countless times in the last few weeks. Man, I am fatigued with COVID. <laughs> I am fatigued with Zoom, I, meeting people on a, a computer screen. Those things have really just worn us down and, and fatigued us. But, you know, I think about what uh, Vince Lombardi, the great uh, coach of the Green Bay Packers back in the day, 
he said this, fatigue will make cowards of us all. How true it is. We get worn down. It indeed enhances our, our desire to worry about things. And I'm just telling you today, you can't stand in your strength. You will get fatigued. But your God is able. Then finally, worry distracts us from being productive people. It will. Can I tell you, the person obsessed with worry will always be a detriment, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the public square, whether it's in the church, or certainly in leadership. Clifford Jones of the Business Journal would say this about worry in the workplace. 72% of people surveyed reported daily stress, anxiety that interferes with their everyday life. Three out of four, in other words. 56% said anxiety affects their job performance. And 50% replied this worry negatively affected relationships with their co-workers and with their peers. He concludes by saying stress in the workplace can take a, a toll on an entire business operation. I tell you, you put a bunch of worriers in one room, you think you're ever going to get anything done? Well, of course not. Because we can't focus, we can't participate, we're worried, we can't contribute, we can't give of ourselves. And I'm telling you, we need to live in a world that we can make a difference by not just defecting to, defecting to a behavior that the world is all about. Help us, O oh Lord. You know, I, I remember the story in, in Luke chapter 10, and you will as well when I recite it. It's the story of two sisters. They had a brother by the name of Lazarus, and Martha was working hard. Jesus was there, and she was a little perturbed because she was having to do all the heavy lifting, and Mary wasn't in there to help. And you remember what Martha said to Jesus? She said, tell uh, Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me. And you know what Jesus said to her? He said, look, Martha, you're worried about many things, but she's doing the best thing. You remember what she was doing? She was worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Jesus said, don't do that. There's a better solution. And that's what I'm telling you today. There's a better solution for your life than simply worrying about things, but defect to leaning on Jesus. And then he really concludes this discourse by telling us spiritually what we need to do. And the result really is the antidote for worry. And he says, you've got to focus on me and it'll sustain your witness. If you lean into me, it'll de demonstrate that I have great value in your life. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness. Then all of these things that he's been talking about collectively will be added unto you. So what are we talking about when we say we're to seek God first? It means we first, our go-to is to turn to God for help. And then we're to fill our thoughts with his desires. Don't leave your mind in neutral. Fill your mind with desires that God has for you. And then follow his model of relying on the Father. And then finally, quit obsessing about things that don't matter because God's promised I want to meet your every need. 
So here it is. When Jesus is first, the obsession of your worry and anxiety will diminish. And it will not be as defining as you and I tend to make it. We used to sing a little chorus some years ago that said this, In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish and hearts are mended in the presence of the King. And I'm just telling you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more insignificant your problems will be. You know what the opposite of worry is? It's contentment. If you're content in your heart, worry will be far from you. It, listen, I, here, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He's in prison at Rome. He said this, I've learned to be content whatever state I'm in. It didn't just come to him naturally. Something he learned. How do you think he learned it? I'll tell you, it's because of an utter dependence upon his Lord. And he found contentment. Contentment is the attitude that says, I will be satisfied with what God's given to me because he has shown me the path of life. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand will be pleasures evermore. Let's leave with a new awareness to, to don't feel obligated to worry about everything. It's not that you don't care. It's that you just trust in the things that we've talked about, that God's able, and you're leaning on Him. And He is indeed the one that can make a difference. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for all of us today under this roof who I've had privilege to preach to this morning. We all collectively have the same need. It's a deep-seated need. We need you. And our life is never right until we find our destination, our hope, in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray as well that we will be people who act in faith. I pray for our witness. I pray it will be strong. I pray that we would... We would be sympathetic to those who are obsessed with worry. And then, by your grace and mercy, we can give a word of testimony of how they, as well, can find peace in the Savior. And so, Lord, thank you for a chance to be with God's people today. We, we know this is not just a, a lesson in behavior, but it's the truth of the reality of what God can do in a person's life who makes things different. And Lord, I know it's never too late for a new beginning, and I know some of us need to to put a line in the sand and say, Lord, I'm not going to worry about everything any longer, but I am going to default to you because you have given me infinite value, created me in your image, recreated me in Jesus Christ, my Lord, and so help me to demonstrate it in faith, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. 
Leeway Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewaybaptist.com. Thank you.